Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Tatonka. <laughs> Mannequin, the British Bulldog, is part of the new generation. You may all bow before D. Mabel. Here comes, here comes the On lives the new generation and the World Wrestling Federation. Welcome, everyone, to the Cultaholic Classic Raw review. As the other Cultaholic lads continue to have all the fun in their isolation stations, we're here via our Ica-Pro-powered DeLorean back in a time where the only isolation that was occurring was fans of WWF isolating themselves from the product. Who be we? I be Fake Geordie, radio presenter without portfolio, Tom Campbell. I am joined via the power of Zoom technology by the mulligan to my O'Hare, uh, Mr. Jack Jackins. Jackins, Jackins, Happy New Year, Jackins. Hello, Tom. Oh, we're back, kind of, sort of. Kind of, yeah, kind of, ish. It's it's cold today. I'll tell you that. I'd say, oh, hey, hey, it's it's not British podcast if we ain't talking about the weather. I know. I mean, to anyone outside of Britain, you'll be like, that's not cold. But to us, because we're sensitive souls, it bloody is. One degree is cold. Yeah. Very cold. Start of January. We've had a lovely sunny day. This is the first day um, that I've popped into the office since before christmas and um every single day of the new year it has been blue skies and sunny taunting me for the fact that i've not left the house until today and i come to leave the house today literally as i am putting shoes on ready to walk into work snow skies turn gray heavy snow (laughs) it's like they knew it's like they knew that me and you were making an effort it's like they knew we were making an effort today it's um how was christmas by the way it was lovely, thank you. It was very quiet. I ate my body weight in Maltesers, and that's about it, really. Did some Lego. What Lego did you do? Uh, Seinfeld. I did the, the, the Seinfeld Lego set. Is that a thing? Yeah. I, I bought it for myself, and it came out in August, and said to Sean, I was like, you've got me Seinfeld Lego for Christmas. Here's the invoice, basically. <laughs> so I was like, that's me boxed off, that's sorted. So, yeah. Oh, so you spent Christmas Day doing Seinfeld Lego? Uh, not Christmas Day. I think Christmas Day, I just lay there. <laughs> it was like two days later when Sean was back in work. And I was like, do you know what? I'll do some Lego and I'll read some Judge Dredd. Oh, see, that's the dream. 
That is the dream. Are you you piqued my interest when you sent me a message on the gram last night, as the kids say, uh, uh, with Sonic the Hedgehog Lego, which I'm very excited about. See, I didn't know it existed until I saw that because I knew they've done a lot of Mario stuff. And then when I saw Sonic, I was like, oh, that's lovely that. I was like, I'll show it to Tom Campbell. <laughs> it was a Lego ideas thing that they they took on, from what I recall. But Sonic was in the... Do you remember Lego Dimensions? Do you remember Lego Dimensions? Do I remember do you, Lego Dimensions? Do you remember somewhere? video games that you used to play with your brass hands? Um, do, you, do you remember Lego Dimensions? I do. I never played it, but I am, I am aware of the massive or encapsulating world that is lego dimensions see that's the problem everybody says the same answer they go i never played it but i do know of it <laughs> and yeah. the fact that no one played it they went oh we're just gonna get rid of this then nobody wants it <laughs> which is a shame because i like the concept because sonic was in that yeah i seem to remember and it, I, I liked i like i like stuff that crosses multi multiverses mm. I'm a big fan of that. That was nice. I'm glad you had a lovely Christmas. I was going to say, talking of crossing multiverses, the last podcast that was released was a multiversal spectacular involving. Uh, I preferred preferred, uh, what Matthew Gregg called it, which was Crisis on Infinite Arseholes. (laughs) He's he's always got the right words, that lad, hasn't he? He he truly (laughs) has. He truly has. So thank you uh, to the, the, I think the last time I checked, the seven or 8,000 people that chose to have a Cademus Carol ruin their Christmas. (laughs) I appreciate it. We all do. It was a, a hot. And do you know what? It was it was quite special because it turned out to be uh, one of the last times that we were all together before yeah. the restrictions came back in. Hence why, if you're watching this on the Patreon, we are once again uh, back in different parts of the office because uh, we still want to keep doing the show because we like doing it. We just can't sit together until the government says that the Omicron variant has flown away. Don't think they're saying that in January, uh, but we'll see. I live in optimism, omnicroptimism uh, of, of what is to come in 2022. <laughs> I just, I, I have to apologize to you, Tom, for dragging us both out in the snow. Because the reason, like Tom said, if you're watching this, you'll see we're in different parts of the cultaholic castle. Uh, it's all because, <laughs> and because, it is a castle. Because I live life like it's 1992. I have no recording equipment at home. <laughs> so I had to come in to do this. Otherwise, we've, we've all been at home. and We've okay. sorted that now, though. We've sorted that now, though. So if you all fingers crossed, we've sorted that. We're going to do a little test run for the next time we get together soon. And and all being well, see, this is this is where it's quite exciting. This is where you must always take the positives out of negatives, because whilst Jackins and I cannot be uh, in, in the in the warmth of each other's juices as we were pre-pandemic, <laughs> um, there's a good chance that if you support us on the Patreon as a thank you, you will get frequent visitations from from Pablo and Louis oh. in your in your. <laughs> I can't wait to meet Louis properly via Zoom. He's a <laughs> he's a lovely lad. He'll probably be just sat here doing it, going. <laughs> um, but yeah. I, I, I'm excited to see him. I was going to say, talking of the kittens, uh, how, how how was Pablo's Christmas? Did uh, Santa Claus visit him? Uh... He did. He got a, a lovely uh, scratching DJ set. So Ooh. it's like a, it's like a little DJ deck with a scratching bit in the middle. Yeah. So he can scratch like he's Judge Jules in the past. <laughs> um, 
he showed his he showed his appreciation for it by looking at it and then sitting in the box that it came in. So yeah. that's that's as expected for a cat. He came with us because Alex and I had our first Christmas together. Um which, which we talked about on Desert Island Graps, which dropped Christmas Day. Um, we had our first Christmas together. So that was lovely. So we got to go and spend Christmas with Alex's family. And, and it was a very busy, like, I think compared to like when I go home to see my mum and dad, Christmas is very a very quiet affair. Like the, my brothers may pop round, but then it'll just be me, my mum and dad by the end of the night, or probably be half asleep by half eight. Like it's, a, it's like the, in comparison, it's like the McAllister's house from Home Alone in that scene before they go away. Uh, it's just busy. So Pablo and I had a good ex- reason to make our excuses on the 27th. Alex stayed longer to, um, to to spend more time with some friends back home. And I, I was working at other job on the 28th. So Pablo and I took our leave on the 27th. And we 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 fell afoul of the 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 joy, the deep joy that is uh Crimbo Limbo Rail Service. Oh. Or lack thereof. <laughs> as, as a 55-minute journey, I think, for Pablo and I, turned into three and a half to four hours oh, of just delays, <laughs> cancellations. Pablo was not happy. On no. the plus side, he became a little bit of a, 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 a fleeting hero on the This Cat is Grumpy Facebook page. <laughs> because I captured a moment where he, I've got this 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 carry case for him that's got a, a little uh, flap at the top so he can stick his head out. Hmm. So like if he's feeling a little bit grumpy and encaged, then he can just poke his head out the top and just see what's going on. And I just captured this lovely moment of Pablo sticking his head out and looking around with Huddersfield train station stationary behind him. Him just looking like he's sick of the world <laughs> and, he, <laughs> and he was to be fair he was not a fan I'm, I'm normally like he'll sometimes take about three hour train journeys with me to to the west midlands and back for christmas and and he gets it he'll he'll dose up on catnip and he'll be asleep but you know multiple trains moving around at least one occasion sat in like a waiting area he was he was meowing up a storm for the majority of it not a happy camper um, he has just about forgiven me for it which is which is reassuring. We've developed a new game, and 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 I wasn't sure at first whether he liked it or not because we've started. I realised that he likes to play chase me, and I've only discovered this in the last two weeks. So what I'll do is, um, I'll walk up to him. I'll make myself as big as possible. So I'll spread my arms out. I walk up to him as big as possible, and I'll go ha. And as I do that, he'll run off and hide behind the curtain, and then I've got to sneak up behind the curtain and go ha. And then he'll run behind the sofa and then he'll just keep finding different hiding places. And he, he'll do that until he goes, bored now. Don't do it anymore. Yeah. And, 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 you'll, and you'll know when he's had enough because you'll go, ha! And then he'll just look at you like, what are you doing? Like, we were, <laughs> the game we were playing just now. <laughs> Why are you? Don't act like I'm the idiot here. I tire of these childish, childish inconveniences. <laughs> silly man, silly man. He was helping me at work yesterday by whilst uh, exporting uh, a Desert Island Raps video, just sitting on the laptop because it was warm. Yeah, because uh, my laptop was getting very hot converting or exporting a video. So Pablo went, oh, this is nice. And uh, I left the room for about 20 minutes. I came back in and he was just sprawled out across it. <laughs> like, so he's been very helpful working from home. So I'm excited that people will probably get to see a little bit more of him when we, yeah. as, as time goes on, as we'll see more of Louis as well. And yeah. Poppy. I don't dismiss yeah. Poppy. 
<laughs> Poppy's the sound one. She'll just come and just sit, but Louis don't. He's just like, Argh! but yeah, Poppy just comes in. It's like, what's going on? Just like, oh, I'm just doing a bit of work. She's like, you know, do us all proud. <laughs> See you later. As you were. Yeah. See you later. Harris, what's going on, like? <laughs> Hello, Hey, you might see Louis and Poppy and Pablo when we do the watch along of Survivor Series 1995, which is next on the docket after this particular episode of Monday Night Raw. <laughs> I forgot we've got to talk about Monday Night Raw. Oh, yeah. Oh. There's the small matter of, of talking about the wrestling on the Jackins and Tom talk about their cats podcast. <laughs> Classic podcast cat review. So... To get you up to speed, because Lord knows it's been about a million years since we did one of these. Let's get back up to speed. Uh, we're up to November the 13th, 1995, the year of our Lord. Uh, it is with, we, we've begun the Raw versus Nitro war. Last week's ratings, Raw 2.6, Nitro 2.0. Oh. So Raw eking out a win last week over the Nitro. I was going to say what was the main event on Nitro, but it's probably been about three months since you watched it. So I have a feeling it was a promo featuring the giant as the new WCW champion and Jimmy Hart running around in a circle around him. I feel like that was, (laughs) and it was Lex Luger and, and Meng versus Harlem Heat. I think it was, which I'm very impressed by because I'm very impressed that I remember that because as I was saying before we started recording, like since since the world, since we got back into business, like my head's been really foggy. Like I don't know whether I've had a weird reaction to like the vaccine or something, but my head's been a bit of a shed. Like, yeah. I'll just, I'll, I'll do, I've started doing, but also I'm aware that in about three and a half weeks time, I turned 38. So whether or not just like time is catching up with me to the point where like, it just it just drops on me that oh I'll start making a cup of tea then I'll leave the room I'll start ironing a shirt forget that I was making a cup of tea go why is the ironing board there like this <laughs> these aren't my hands these are my- <laughs> are those my feet <laughs> where am I what's that in there <laughs> who are you do we have a cat <laughs> this isn't Worcester. The River Seven looks lovely today. <laughs> when do I start my show on Wyvern? Um, <laughs> good bit of Tom humour, that. Uh, for, for literally an audience of one. Mm. Um, yeah, so I think that was the main event we were up against. So it was off the heels of Halloween Havoc as well. So there was... You would have thought they'd have had the up, but they didn't, apparently. Uh, some real-world stuff before Jackkins gives us a rundown of the wrestling world, the important world. Uh, the UK box office, number one, is to Wong Fu. Thanks for everything, Julie Newmar. Uh, it's been number one in the US box office for a, a spell over the summer, and now uh, the, the UK is catching up with it. This is back in the... In the weird time where the UK would get a staggered release date to the US, thankfully, uh, uh, a weird, a weird tradition that has died out now. Mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't realize. I've seen Tu Wong Fu years ago, but I didn't realize it was that big of a hit. That was number one both sides of the Atlantic. There you go. You're yeah. surprised by that one. Uh, in the US box office, number one is uh, Ace Ventura: When Nature Calls. Oh. Uh, not for long, though, because we are record. This episode of Monday Night Raw is being aired on the same night that we get the international 
premiere of GoldenEye. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, this film, this is the first Bond film in six years. It was set to be a Timothy Dalton uh, starring movie, but uh, Dalton ended up resigning from the role as Bond. This is going to be Pierce Brosnan's First time stepping into the shoes of 007, uh, a film that was in the run up to it racked with legal disputes and all that sort of nonsense. It's also the first Bond film uh, that isn't based on the work of Ian Fleming. We're now off piste mm. when it comes to Bond stuff. Do you remember seeing Goldeneye first time around? I can't remember the first time I saw it, but I've obviously seen it a lot because, like most young British children in the 90s, when Bond was making this big comeback. And with the N64 game, et cetera, et cetera. I was Bond mad. So, yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed Goldeneye. T- uh, Tina, Tina Turner's soundtrack is something that particularly stays with me. It's upon the water. <laughs> it's like she's here. <laughs> got the same hair. <laughs> <laughs> same beard. Goldeneye. Uh, so Goldeneye is set to take over from Ace Ventura literally any second now. Yeah. Uh, in the UK music charts, I believe, slash up on the roof. Still number one for Robson and Jerome. I mean, hang in there. <laughs> what, what's left to be said about those songbirds, Robson Green? <laughs> <laughs> uh, over in America, an Undertaker WrestleMania esque streak for Mariah Carey is fantasy still going strong at number one. I don't remember fantasy being this big a hit, you know. No, neither do I. It's, it was one of those that was obviously around during my childhood, but since of <laughs> 10.30, well, not even 10.30, but like in my adult years, I've just gone back and rediscovered these songs and been like, fantasy's fucking great. It's so good. <laughs> Such a good song. It is but, a yeah. banger. Yeah. Retailers of the video game variety are based uh, braced for the release of Donkey Kong Country 2, Diddy's Kong Quest, which comes out this week. It will go on to become the second biggest selling game of 1995. Mm-hmm. Remember, do you remember Donkey Kong Country 2? Oh, you I... played it with your brass hand. <laughs> Donkey Kong Country 2, a game in which you can't play as Donkey Kong. No. And and there was some controversy over that because it was a younger development team that were putting this game together. Mm. And they just went, why don't we just use Diddy Kong and someone new? So obviously, because it's a younger team, had there been more sort of veterans on the programming department, they'd have gone, we can't not use Donkey Kong. <laughs> but they went, yeah, well, we just want to use Diddy Kong. And they brought in Dixie Kong. Yeah. And this started a trend with the Donkey Kong games in which the, the sidekick would become the, the lead in the following game. Because yeah. then in a few years' time, we get Donkey Kong Country 3, Dixie's Double Trouble, which would be Dixie Kong, and Kitty Kong, who would be the sort of strong character akin to Donkey Kong in the next one along. But Diddy's Conquest is a beauty of a game. All, all those snares Donkey Kong games still look incredible. What's this now? 20, 27? Oh, 27 years later? A lot of years later. And they, they look fantastic. They really for, do. For Christmas, uh, Santa bought me um, a handheld emulator. Oh. It's a very nice bit of kit. And yeah. I may have been playing Donkey Kong Country 2 on it and living my best life yeah. before we sat down today. It's a beautiful game. It's a great game. <laughs> they, are, they are really good games. Just studying. I, I, I've got... Um, I've got the SNES and NES emulators on the Switch. So I mm-hmm. might go have a look to see if they're on there. Oh, do so. You won't be disappointed. Donkey Kong yeah. Country. I genuinely would say that Donkey Kong Country 2 is a, a, 
a better executed game than Donkey Kong Country 1? I am far more familiar with the first than the second, so I'll take your word on that until I get an opportunity to play. Second feels special. Uh, so that is the, the real world. More importantly, Jackins, what's going on in the wrestling world at this particular point in the space-time continuum? Oh, well, so from... <laughs> <laughs> From Unky Dave on the, Dave! the Wrestling Observer newsletter dated November 20th. It's smatterings of things. Um, it's the, the majority of the stuff that I picked out, the, the big things, uh, regard rumors of releases from other companies, which will come to fruition in 1996. But before we get to that, the first tidbit I've put in is that um, the week preceding this episode of Raw, WWF uh, had some house shows in Cincinnati, Columbus, and the Meadowlands, and Vince McMahon attended them. He usually only attends Madison Square Garden. And the reason I put it in is because we usually know if Vince McMahon starts turning up when he's not meant to, he's worried. He's, yeah. he's just thinking, right, bollocks, everything's got to go by the letter of the law and how I say. Um, so so yes. do you think that's what's going on here is that he's, he's overly concerned with the way things are going? So I'm like, I want to make sure everybody's playing by the same is, is reading the same hymn sheet yeah because uh, i was gonna say a couple of weeks back a couple of weeks back in 1995 like six months back in terms of the podcast or what yeah. feels like six months back uh wwf had scaled down the house show loop they'd got rid of the b shows were they running c shows at the time or just b they were doing b shows and c shows uh they'd only scale back the c shows sort of early to 1995 mm. because they were still running these Fucking awful sea shows. <laughs> headline by like the headline by like the the bushwhackers. Yeah. Versus uh, versus a random tag team and <laughs> and getting away with it somehow. Yeah. Like that. So they they scaled that back though to B shows and then only recently they've binned off the B shows as well. Yeah. So I think this is just part of the fallout from that. With obviously the the house show market being down, um, because. What they'd done over the past two weeks as well, two shows had been cancelled due to poor ticket sales. Um, but for the shows that went ahead, because it's now just an A show with all the major stars on one show. How many times can I say the word show in one sentence? Many um, more. The houses are up slightly, but apparently it's nothing to write home about. So It's a tough time in 1995. Mm. This is why they've scaled everything back. Because you know, if you can't sell out the A shows... What hope are you going to have selling out the B-show? Oh, God, yeah. I was going to say, talking about tough times, though, at the, Medal at the Meadowlands um, house show, in the main event, it was Shawn Michaels and Diesel who defeated Owen Hart and Yokozuna, which sounds like a good house show match. That's all right, that. It, not only any, uh, not any tag match, a lumberjack match, but during it, one of Yoko's punches potatoed Michaels right in the face and opened him up, and he was bleeding badly. So, Jeebus. you don't want to hurt Shawn Michaels with with the Nate with the 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 plans they've got for Shawn Michaels. Yeah. You want to be protecting him at all costs. But I, I wonder how much stroke Yokozuna had because obviously he was part of the Bone Street Crew, wasn't he? Those rabble rousers. <laughs> but you think former two-time champion, the relationship that the WWF has with the Anawai family and stuff, and with him being a big dude, you can't imagine him being like a shrinking violet 
So I, nah, can imagine, we... I can imagine if he knocked him in the face, he'd just be like, oh, sorry, Sean, shit happens, deal with it kind of thing. But uh, We'd like to, uh, at this point, just draw uh, the Bone Street crew meeting to a close by just addressing uh, Rodney, Rodney over there, Rodney, young man. Uh, Want to talk to you about, uh, don't wipe that smile off your face, you're in trouble, you little tinker. Um, you put Shawn Michaels in the face the other day and uh, Vince McMahon is not very happy with us. In fact, that uh, he, he was threatening to cancel our Turkey and Turkey and Tinsel Christmas break in 1996. So uh, we're going to give you a little slap on the wrists and ask you to pay an extra 16 pence in your subs next week, my love. All right. Oh, all right then. All right. Oh. Okay. Well, thanks very much. <laughs> <laughs> Incidentally, I think I've had more messages about the, the Bone Street crew meeting <laughs> that, that we some... did on the show the other the last time we were together than I think anything else we've ever done. It was some inspired riffing from myself, yourself, and our good friend Michael, who joined y- us. Yes, it uh, was indeed. It was... <laughs> Remember, as it was going on, I was just sat here thinking, where's this going? Just, just, <laughs> just don't question it. Keep on running. Just keep on I, running. I, I like how none of us knew. And then eventually one of us had to go, are we going to stop at anything? <laughs> <laughs> Because it could go on forever. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure that won't be the last time we'll hear of the Bone Street crew going forward. I'm sure it will. I'm oh. sure he will never, ever go off on a tangent like that ever again. I mean, we, we, we're so professional. We keep, we, we run a tight ship here. We're well professional. Yeah. Like our middle name is Profesh. <laughs> <laughs> Bringing it back on track from oh. the Bone Street crew once again. <laughs> Uh, back to November 1995, there was a lot of unhappiness among the WWF wrestlers regarding not getting enough dates. Uh, we'd been saying going back a few weeks that Bam Bam swapped out dates for uh, for for tangerines as they are much cheaper and the segments we can share amongst each other. Oh, but it's it's not nice getting a date in your Christmas stocking. I know, but listen, it's a, it's been a tough 1995, uh, so that's why you're not getting as many dates this year. So, so <laughs> before tangerines were completely wiped off the table, we had been talking about um, Bam Bam Bigelow looked like he was heading out the door because his career in the WWF has been shite since losing to Lawrence Taylor. Um, and Dave just reiterates saying he's almost certainly going to New Japan. He won't. Uh, and depending upon his bookings there, will either work WWF in between his Japanese commitments or leave WWF. Apparently, also, Jean-Pierre Lafitte, Karma, and Bob Holly have complained about not getting enough bookings, although none have, affi- have actually officially given notice. <laughs> notice, Karma. I mean, you've got to give notice, so you've got to sit down and play dominoes with us. When I, when I read that, because sometimes Dave can write like jazz happens, where he said, like, Jean-Pierre Lafitte, Carm, and Bob Holly complained about not getting enough dates, although none actually officially gave notice. I read it as nobody nobody gave notice, as in they didn't pay attention to them. <laughs> <laughs> no one's given them any notice. I'm, gonna, I'm Bob Holly, and I'm going to leave. What? Whatever. Fuck off, Bob. Get, oh, I want more dates, otherwise I'm going. Okay, sure. I'll, I'll, I'll write it down on my invisible notepad. <laughs> Give Bob <laughs> more bookings. Oh, terrific. See you later. Pop it in. Just, let's pop a little pin in that, shall we, Bob? <laughs> See you in February, you cunt. <laughs> you weird rally driver. Get to this car. He's like, does anyone want anything picking up from Tandy? He drives <laughs> off. Tandy! Big shout for Tandy. 
Bloody love Tandy. I love Tandy. I think I bought a Mega Drive game from Tandy back in the day. <laughs> or a Hi-Fi. I can't remember which. Maybe even a lamp. Um, oh, did they do lamps at Tandy? They might have done. I know it was very much like a Dixon's. Mm. But a very, very 90s Dixon's. Yeah, it was. You had like Dixon's, Curry's, Tandy, Rumbelows. Rumbelows. Uh, they did washing machines, didn't they? Yeah, they a were lot, more a the lot big of big boys, weren't they? Yeah. That's where you get your good white goods there. Yeah. A lot of white goods from Rumbelows. Need a new fridge? Rumbelows. Rumbelows. <laughs> or Apollo 2000. Get yourself to either <laughs> of those. That might have been a West Midlands branch, though, Apollo 2000. I'm not quite sure. I definitely remember Apollo 2000. It rings a bell to me, but I'm not too mm. sure if that's like a false memory that you've just implanted. <laughs> Bit of Nelson Mandela syndrome. Yeah. Uh, but I um, I seem to remember going into Tandy where they had a Mega Drive and Sonic 2 playing on it. Ooh. I That seems to be a memory that pushes out of my head. And I remember being very excited because I was asking for uh, Sonic 2 for my birthday, I think, or Christmas. But I had a Master System. Yeah. So Sonic 2 on the Master System was very different, which I learned on Christmas Day. Mm. In, in a bad way or... Um, initially a bad way because it looked very different to what I thought it was going to be. Yeah. But Sonic 2 for the Master System has its own very special charm. It really does. Like yeah. there's, a, there's, a, there's a love and a warmth to Sonic 2 on the Master System that, um, that isn't replicated. When I played Sonic 2 for the Mega Drive, I remember kind of partly missing playing like the Underground Zone on Sonic 2 for the yeah. Master System. And Sonic 2 on the Master System was... Fucking difficult. Like the difficulty spike for Sonic 2 was was almost nightmarish. Like you had to you had just to play the ultimate perfect game in order to come to get the, the good ending mm. in Sonic 2. The bad ending. Oh, we will get to wrestling in a bit, I promise. <laughs> but the bad, but hey, look, I know we are here to talk about professional wrestling, and that is why you're here. But let me tell you about the bad ending of Sonic the Hedgehog 2 on the Bastard System, right? The bad ending for that game where you didn't get all the Chaos Emeralds, where you didn't find all the weirdly placed Chaos Emeralds, where you'd, you'd have no idea where they were. There was no guidebooks at that time. You would just have to stumble across them. If you didn't get them all, there was a credit sequence that rolled that saw Sonic the Hedgehog running across the Green Hill Zone with all the names of the people that made the game appearing along the bottom. And then as all the credits ended, Sonic would slow down. He'd stop. He'd look up to the sky. The camera would pan up and he'd see tails, uh, the, the, the uh, drawing of tails in the stars, which indicated to me that Dr. Robotnik had killed tails <laughs> and he was dead. Have what else was I meant to read into that? Have you looked this up online to see if that is like the accepted theory or is this uh, just a- Matthew, well, well, well my, my reassurance came from Matthew. Who, who told me the exact same thing when we did the History of Sonic the Hedgehog podcast, where he said, I thought Tails had died. Uh, but it's, it's more a case of to remind you. It was basically what it was. It was meant to be like an artistic way of reminding you that Tails is still missing and you must find him. But yeah. you, they just didn't appreciate by putting in the stars like that. It gives the impression that he died. <laughs> <laughs> you killed him. Just imagine massive Dr. Robotnik getting this little prebubescent flying fox and just punching it in the face until it died. It's like, got to stick you on a robot. I, I need to get more voices. Everyone's just from Yorkshire. <laughs> I'm going to put you in a robot. 
Don't Shut call me a hedgehog. <laughs> pissed on my wife. It's a Gilbert Gottfried. <laughs> Sonic, you absolute dickhead. I don't know who the fuck that was. But I um I got to interview Jim Cummings last year. Mm. He's the voice of Winnie the Pooh. Um, but he was also the voice of Dr. Robotnik in the Sonic cartoon. Oh, very in, nice. In one of the Sonic cartoons. And I asked him about the inspiration behind the voice. And he said he sees Dr. Robotnik as evil, but also very perverted. <laughs> <laughs> almost like, almost suggesting that Robotnik was just like, was like sexually into how violent he was. <laughs> Which is now all I think of when I see him sat in that big egg ship swinging a ball. You well, yeah, everything about his getup's quite like fetish, isn't it? It's, his, it is his, little, in it. his little goggles and his gloves. Oh, it's sort of yeah. I like putting other animals inside robots. Yeah, like there's a there's a there's a and, and hey, we only need a kink shame. You do you. Speak your truth. Love what you love. We all deserve to be happy. That's that's a kink. Put a robot. <laughs> this is a wrestling podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Happy New Year. Some shit don't change. (laughs) What people need to realize as well is we haven't spoken for three weeks. So there is that as (laughs) well. If we weren't recording, we'd just be like on (laughs) on some avenue just going, oh yeah, do you know what? Yeah, I think Ivo Robotnik's a bit of a bit of a kinky lad. But but how but see that's even weirder when you say that because everyone's gone, oh Jackins and Tom haven't spoken to you for three weeks. Within 20 minutes, they're going, oh, so Dr. Robotnik, he's a kinky fucker. Yeah. He's, he's, he's sexually into that sort of thing. <laughs> By the way, how was Christmas? <laughs> oh, I see you've lost a limb. Anyway, Robotnik. <laughs> Are oh, you divorced? Anyway, Robotnik. Oh, Robotnik. <laughs> Surround yourself with people where if you don't see them for a month, the first thing you talk about is, do you think Robotnik's a bit kinky? <laughs> Surround yourself with people like that. Anyway, wrestling. Sorry. Right. Is Batman get... Bigelow going to Japan or not? Uh, well, uh, Meltzer seems to think he is, but I'm pretty sure he just goes to ECW, doesn't he? Yeah, I think he yeah. does. I mean, it's a shame because he'd be amazing in New Japan. Yeah. I, and, and I'm sure he had been. He'd done bits in New Japan and a thing. Yeah, he did. Because him he, and Vader were a team. They teamed, yeah. What mm. a frightening tag team. Imagine, imagine them shagging. That's the shocker. Vader time, that's all that <laughs> This is a free podcast. <laughs> this is fucking free. Unless you watch the Patreon, in which case, thanks. <laughs> Thank you very much for, for supporting this. You so, could, you know, you could give this to you could you could give this to uh, Cats Protection, but you don't. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to hear us speculate about two dead, beloved wrestlers having sex? <laughs> You've come to the right place. ching oh. right. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs>
coming back on piece. Right? <laughs> oh, so, hello. oh, I've got some easy, I've got quite a chunk of ECW news for you. <laughs> okay. So basically everyone's gonna leave ECW. <laughs> No bastards. Right, why is everybody going? Where are they, where are they going? WCW and WWF, oh, of course. Of course. So the first name on the list is Public Enemy. Uh, Kevin Sullivan. Yeah. WCW's <laughs> Kevin Sullivan has apparently offered uh, Public Enemy, Rocco Rock and Johnny Grunge, a six-month contract to join WCW. Reports from those close to the two indicate they may, if anything, be slightly leaning towards WCW rather than WWF. Mm. Because those they've talked to within WWF gave them less favorable versions of the current situation and there were less teams to work with. Um, what will actually happen, though, at the Survivor Series, the dark match is the public enemy versus the smoking guns. Oh! That's the dark match. And then the public enemy go to WCW and then come you know, for a cup of coffee in WWF in 1999. So they do, even though everyone's been saying, don't come here, don't come here, shit here. They'll turn up for the dark match and then go to WCW. I mean, fair play to them. Yeah. For like, for sounding out both parties and yeah. and, and having to run out in WWF to get a paycheck from them, see what it feels like, and then just going, nah, we reap. Yeah. We'll go over there. Fair play to them. Yeah. I, like, I like their style. I like their hutzpah. <laughs> bit of hutzpah from those. <laughs> is this part? Would they get a little bit of heat for this down the line as well? Yeah. Well, the, the, because when they come to the WWF, there were so many people that shit can them immediately. Yeah, I, I know. I don't know if it was the first match or just one of their first matches was against the Acolytes and Farouk and Bradshaw with the welcoming committee. But basically <laughs> saying, "How dare you uh, pick WCW over WWF?" But I've always thought about that and thought, well, at the time that they did that. Ron Simmons, you went in the WWF and you were the former WCW champion. So what are you talking about? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think that's. I think it's. It was a weird. I think it was more Bradshaw that pushed that than than Farouk. Yeah. Farouk was yeah. just along for the ride, but that was very much a Bradshaw thing. That was to go, oh, WWF America and all that nonsense. I know they did it with the Dudley boys when they turned up to the WWF and like, right, we're the welcoming committee. And Popper and Devon were just like, fucking come on, man. <laughs> and then after they all slapped each other about, they probably slapped each other on the back and went for a pint. Yeah, yeah, more yeah. than likely. More than likely. I think because I think they even made a joke. I remember Dudley's coming in, getting beaten up by the APA and then making a joke about it. Like, hey, we're not the enemy. We're not the public enemy. No. Oh, let's have a pint. So another name rumored to be leaving ECW is Cactus Jack. What? Surely he's for 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 life. For life. Um. Yeah. Apparently he's just moved to New uh, from New York to Atlanta, and even though everyone was just like he'd never work in the WWF, he's not got the right look. He's not got the right style. He's a bit frightening. He's a bit too violent. Uh, apparently. He was said to be very close to going to WWF, with some saying it could be shortly after the Royal Rumble. Paul Heyman has apparently told WWF officials, because they're trying to be friendly, trying to build up that relationship. He said, I need him until April. And then after that, if you want him, you can have him. And that's what will happen. He will come in after WrestleMania in 1996. Mm. Um, yeah, because WWF at this point, they're just like, right, there's a lot of talent in ECW. If we cozy up with them, basically, we can get first dibs and we can send them 
our shite, like Al Snow and Bracus. Um, Al Snow will work, Bracus not as much. So <laughs> this this seems to be the start of that WWF ECW relationship through Cactus Jack, and I think Shane Douglas probably is going to go the other way at some point. Do we think by this point um, WWF had put Paul Heyman on the payroll? I'm not too sure because I know that. He definitely ended up on it at some point. When's mm. the when's the invade? When was barely legal? Was that ninety seven? Wasn't it ninety seven? Yeah, yeah. So obviously, as they do the invasions and all that stuff, he'll definitely be on the payroll by then. So what that gives is the best, just over a year. So possibly that's exciting. Though. We could talk about the invasion at some point. Oh. Look at like the, the initial invasion oh. of ECW. Oh, God. Halcyon days, Tom. Oh. We've got to get through 1996 first. Oh, like, my oh. oh, my gosh. There is that. There is. I mean, I mean, there's sli- I mean, 96 is slightly better days than the days that we're coming out of. 1995 has been quite the adventure. Um, but we're coming out the other side of it now, which, which you'd love to see. Um, is, is there any more notes for this particular week in their ass to link? Just one last bit. Um, two other people said to be leaving ECW. A uh, woman, Nancy Sullivan and Conan. Um, WCW making a strong push to bring in Conan in January, and they will. And they're looking to bring Nancy Sullivan. Uh, apparently, the rumor, according to Melter, was that she'll manage Harlem Heat if they phase out Sherry Martel. And if they don't phase out Sherry Martel, she'll manage DDP, because Johnny B. Bad will be managed by Kimberly Page. Obviously, the DDP Johnny B. Bad feud will happen, but Woman will just join the Four Horsemen instead. So, yeah. both those moves definitely do happen. We're going a slightly different direction, but a lot of moving and shaking for me yeah, to God, this yeah. particular week. That was pretty much the highlights of the Observer this week. There were some bits and bobs we'll touch on as Raw goes on, but. Aside from that, it was just like, Jesus Christ, there's a lot of movement in these. <laughs> uh, let's take it over to Monday Night Raw for November the 13th, 1995. So we know that the advertised main event for tonight is Razor Ramon versus Sid for the Intercontinental Championship with the one, two, three kid, a special guest referee. We get footage of the WWF World Tour de Force, which was a European tour that the company went on and beyond. And Razor Ramon and the one, two, three kid came to blows uh, whilst on the tour. Uh, concerned about kids' impartiality as guest referee for tonight's planned uh, Ramon versus Sid match, Gorilla Monsoon made it non-title instead, uh, which is a rather unusual decision, which I can't <laughs> help but feel there's a little more to. Hmm. We shall see, Thomas we Campbell. We shall certainly see. So we are still getting Razor Ramon and Sid, for the Intercontinental, uh, for, but this time not for the Intercontinental Championship, uh, with one, two, three kids still acting as referee. Our first match of the night, Hunter Hearst Helmsley uh, is taking on Henry Godwin. Now, Helmsley slopped Godwin the other week, which has led to this match. Hunter attacks Godwin outside the ring with a baseball slide before the match officially starts, sends him crashing into the steel steps. Godwin teases bringing the bucket into the ring. Uh, but before he but before he gets into the ring, he stops. He holds the bucket above his head and slops himself, covers himself in the slop, 
Yeah. Hey. <laughs> like Kick, you do. Kinky boy. <laughs> Again, somebody, someone's into that. Speak your truth. No, no, uh, no judging from this podcast. Have do you do you? Yeah. Have your fun. Uh, Godwin gets into the ring and Helms is like, I don't want to touch you, you smelly boy. Helms, he dives out of the ring, runs around the ring and slips in the slop outside the ring. Does a couple more big old uh, Triple H pratfalls before scurrying up the ramp pursued by a smelly hog. And that is our opening match of the night. And you know what? Uh, an absolute non-match, but a really fun segment. It's <laughs> I've got mixed feelings of this because it was okay. very, it was very like 1991 house show. And obviously, like you said, the <laughs> Pratt Falls Triple H were taken. When he's in that comedy mode, he is a great comedic wrestler. Um, but to open up Raw, it's like this could have been used for an interview segment between the two or talk to Triple H saying about what he's going to do to hog a Survivor Series or whatever and then have this or something. It just, I don't know, it just seemed a bit, like it felt like half a segment. I mean, it was half a segment, but it felt like the second half of a segment, if you get me. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, I liked it. I thought it was as effective as a, an interview segment. Yeah, true. I think it was, I think because <laughs> it was... A match that was advertised like with a week of build, there is that feeling of, well, you promised, you know, for, whether you want it or not, if you if you are hype, if you're one of the people that were hype for Hunter Hearst Helmsley versus Henry Godwin, then uh, you'd have been disappointed by what you got, which was a yeah. non-match. If it was a match that hadn't been advertised, you would kind of sort of forgive it maybe a little bit more, yeah. I think. Yeah. I see where you're coming from with it. Um, but either way, uh, they will collide again around Survivor Series. They'll find a way to each other. Um, at the house shows during this week, uh, this is quite interesting. In most cities, they had slop matches with Hunter Hearst Helmsley versus Henry Godwin, mm. uh, with Helmsley winning, but Godwin slopping him after the match anyway. Uh, so they've had some fun on the house shows have, uh, of Triple H and Henry Godwin. <laughs> Did you... <laughs> think that the slop just looked like a big bucket of coleslaw it did look coleslaw-esque <laughs> yeah it, it did look it did look a little bit like creamy chicken Ooh, lovely. <laughs> which i made last night and and i saw that and i thought oh it looks a bit like what i made for dinner that's a, hmm. that's a worry <laughs> <laughs> that's a worry shouldn't I, look like my dinner hey as as long as it tasted delicious and gave you all the nutrients that you need it's beautiful yeah Made it, made it with my own bare hands. Oh, wonderful! I had bare hands on and everything. Oh, very hairy, creamy chicken. This. It was quite hairy as yeah. well. Uh, interestingly, as well on the house show runs, uh, they uh, they had one, two, three kid playing a face in some of these encounters with Razor Ramon. So yeah. we'll it, t- we'll touch again on a bit later on. I think. Yeah, I think we will. Life is full of what ifs, some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. 
That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Uh, Milton Bradley Karate Fighters Survivor Series Slam Jam. Vince and Jerry Lawler talk about Bill Clinton being a part of Survivor Series, uh, saying that he's going to get slopped if the government shuts down this week. Uh, there was a lot of talk of the government in America shutting down this week over numerous things. Um, and now, like, it's them just dropping in topical stuff again. Yeah. Uh, Doc Hendricks talks up the Survivor Series wild card match. It's Shawn Michaels, Sid, the British Bulldog, and... <laughs> Ahmed Johnson. For a second, I was like, who is it? And then my eyes flickered. It's like, oh, yeah. Oh, that's, oh, that's my line. <laughs> They're teaming up to face Razor Ramon, Dean Douglas, Owen Hart, and Yokozuna. We've got some clips from uh, superstars of the Million Dollar Corporation and Camp Cornet getting into an argument about trust. I quite like the heel factions at loggerheads going into this one. I, I, I like this in general in wrestling. I don't like the idea that all heels are friends because they're heels and all faces are friends because they're faces. I like when there's dynamics and interplay and... Yeah, it's just like, yeah, you're a bad guy because you're an arsehole, but we're arseholes as well. So why are we friends? No, I'm having a bit of, yeah. So it, it was basically, yeah, it was DiBiase and Sid just saying to Cornette and Davey saying, hey, Jim Cornette, you've got people on both sides, on both teams. So don't be playing any silly bollocks here. <laughs> that, that's I wish a- you'd said silly bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> DiBiase saying silly bollocks would make my year. Don't you play silly bollocks. <laughs> we get a video package all about Shawn Michaels forfeiting the Intercontinental title, something that he did following injuries sustained uh, from the beating he took from 434 savers in Syracuse. Yeah. Uh, the video puts over how brilliant Shawn Michaels is. Michaels declaring, I thought this was America where I could do whatever the hell I wanted. Okay. Um, <laughs> He also says, people told me I was too small and I couldn't make it. He says, I want to go out there and steal the show. And he says, every night I ask myself, what can I show these people uh, which they haven't seen and make them file out of the arena with one thing that sticks in their mind that is Shawn Michaels. It was a very convoluted sentence, but I kind of got what you were saying. Uh, we're getting Shawn Michaels prime for something big here, aren't we? Yeah, I've, I've just put the build to mania starts now. Mm. But definitely, I think. Mm. It certainly does start now. And then, and, and if you're on the, the house show, it starts, it's already started. We're on that in a bit. Um, a lot of teasing ahead here. I feel like we're doing radio. It's brilliant. Uh, up next, the man that is fast becoming our favorites, our favorites member of the Monday Night Raw roster. It is, of course, Jake Steele. And he's right. <laughs> <laughs> and he's taking on. 
a debuting Ahmed Johnson. Get Come it. to mama, Ahmed Johnson! Big Johnson getting amongst it against Jake Steele, who, when he did now, I don't know whether I looked at it wrong, whether whether I'm mistaken, cooking MCs like a pound of bacon. Uh, the opening bit where they cut to Jake Steele and he was pointing down the hard cam. Do you think he looked a bit like Eddie Kingston? Oh, a little bit, actually, yeah. Mm, I thought Eddie Kingston. No, and then, then you see like he's very ripped and you go, okay, it's not Eddie Kingston. With no disrespect to Eddie Kingston, he's just yeah. not ripped and that's fine. Um, so it's Ahmed and Jake Steele. Steele tries to cheap shot Ahmed Johnson, but it is not effective. It is, it is like trying to use a basic swipe on Sephiroth at the end of Final Fantasy VII. Uh, every strike just makes Ahmed madder. Ahmed puts a beating on Steel uh, that begins with a Larius. We get a picture-in-picture picture of Shawn Michaels putting Ahmed Johnson over, uh, saying that they will survive at Survivor Series. Uh, Ahmed hits a beauty of a spine buster, leaving his feet on the landing. It looks sublime. He wraps the match up with a double underhook power pump that Vince McMahon calls a Liger bomb. I have never heard Vince McMahon refer to a Liger bomb in the history of wrestling. Yeah. It I was, was very, very happy with that. Because because we'll end up knowing it as the Pearl River Plunge. But when I heard like, Vince McMahon call a move, I was like, Jesus, Vince. Yeah. What are you on? I reckon he overheard it. Yeah. <laughs> and they went, oh, I'll, I'll remember that part. <laughs> Uh, in the from the, the little line from the Observer here, uh, it says Armor Johnson debuted using a double arm suplex dropped into a power bomb as his finisher. Vincent Mann called it a Liger bomb, which is the Joey Styles name for it when Dean Malenko used the move in ECW. Uh, and then uh, Dave goes, actually, in Japan, when Mitsuhara Masawa uses it, it's called the Tiger, Tiger Driver. Tiger Driver! But in New Japan, where Jushin Liger uses it, it's called the Liger bomb. Thanks, mm. Dave. Dave, Dave, they're doing the Wrestling Observer version. You know that of that meme of the young man leaning into <laughs> the woman's ear and she just looks like she's sick of her night life in the nightclub. That's it. That's the one. It's, it's, it's big, uh, well, actually energy is what I call it. <laughs> big, well, actually energy <laughs> from young David Meltzer. Bless him. Uh, Vince interviews Ahmed Johnson at ringside. Ahmed says, <laughs> which is lovely. Um, <laughs> no, I, I kind of like... <laughs> He, he's very hard to like he just i think because he's tired and he talks through growls yeah um I, I i deciphered some of it i think basically he's gonna break sin bulldog if they double cross him and shorter survivor series yeah I, I i've just got he vaguely threatened sin and bulldog in his horse voice it was he's got a great voice it's just his cadence you just can't hear what he's saying sometimes yeah it's a lovely powerful tone oh god just hard to cut through sometimes like an overdone cake. <laughs> Barry Dudinsky. I was going to say, before we get to the dud though, Tom, we can't just gloss over Ahmed. What did you think of his debut? Oh gosh, I have. I'm like very much glossed over him. I thought he looked brilliant. <laughs> he looked fucking great. What a, what a powerhouse. <laughs> what a powerhouse. Absolute beast of a man. He, he uh, looked super, superb. He, did, he looked really good. I would have made the match. Good. I'd have made the match probably 60 seconds shorter. What, what 60 made, seconds would you have got I, 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 I tell you what I got rid of, all right? I'd have had it so you have Jake Steele, like, 
hitting him on the back because basically Ahmed was 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 taking steel into the corner. The ref pulled them away. So Ahmed, like the good sportsman that he is, walks back to his corner. Steel jumps him and starts hitting him in the back. And uh, and everyone's like, "No, you're you're making it matter." <laughs> and uh, and and what happened from there was Ahmed. They they fought for a little bit longer than Ahmed hit a clothesline. I'd have literally had it. So as this guy is. <laughs> Smacking him on the back, Ahmed turns around and just goes, Whoop, spine buster. Yeah. Power of the plunge, done. I'd have cut out a little bit of that in the middle just to make him extra powerful. But I'm just I'm just picking holes. Um, yeah. I, I thought it was great. What a, they they can't have done any more to to put over Ahmed Johnson. No, definitely not. I think it's Interesting as well, because what we've been seeing with AEW, the booking of Wardlow recently, and famously, same booking with Goldberg and Ultimate Warrior. Every couple of years, if you've got a big jack dude who's all right, just make him look like a monster and people will eat it up. Mm -hmm. It's all you need to do. Just dead simple. Simple, big, powerful. I mean, we see it in sort of the new NXT quite a bit, how everything is very much cut down. Yes. On that roster. Like it's, it's, uh, you know, it, 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 it's a much more simple presentation for a lot of these guys. And I think for a lot of them, it's what they need. Yeah. A very simple presentation. And Ahmed's got a very simple presentation here, which I think fits him perfectly. Um, Barry Dudinsky. Uh, he shows us the 1996 WWF calendar. Uh, the calendar features Diesel, Razor Ramon, and the one, two, three kid who won't be with the company by the end of 1996. Um, fun fact. So I, I tried to find um, the the, eight, the pages of this calendar online to no avail. It's a very rare calendar, this one is. But I know obviously Diesel has like a month. I think Diesel is January in this particular calendar. Uh, there is another version of the 1996 WWF calendar that features Diesel as May, which is the month that he leaves the company. <laughs> wow. Yeah, because I, I tried doing the same. Yeah, and I found the other edition which had Lex Luger on the cover. Oh, him a bulldog. <laughs> yeah. I said, Lex Luger's gone. So that's even better. Jesus. Um, I well, love it. You said, so it's, you were saying before that it's your birthday soon. Are you end of January then, or are you beginning of February? January 31st. Mm. The last day of the first month. What I've always noticed with calendars, because my birthday's in November, is that you always have a strong first one for January. You have a strong end for December. October's usually quite good, and November usually gets someone a bit shit. <laughs> yeah. so, so when I found when I found this other calendar, I, I was just looking through. I was like, let's let's see who we get for November, where my birthday is. Let's see who the shit one is. October, Shawn Michaels. Ah. Oh. December, Undertaker. Ah. Oh. Sandwiched in the middle for me, Tatanka. Oh, no. <laughs> Every time I had a Star Wars one as a kid, October, I think, was Yoda. December was Darth Vader. November was fucking C-3PO. I'm oh, my. <laughs> I'm having a quick look now to see if I can if I can find any other WWF calendars so we can tell you what November is. Uh, I'm having a little look now. Uh, on, I've literally done a Google image search to see if there's anything that comes up. Uh, WWF, uh, maybe if I try 2002 calendar, 
See if it'll give me uh, some pictures from the calendars of 2002. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll probably get like Perry Saturn or something like that. That's <laughs> I hope you do. I hope you do. Um, I'm sadly I can't find any PDFs of calendars, but I'll tell what this is something we're going to look into for next week. Mm. <laughs> I'm going to bring some. I'm going to bring some findings, and we can compare months of birthdays with yeah. the stars on WWF calendars. But it, we'll it, see who wins. Just, I mean. It's, it's one of those, like, say if you've got uh, you support a football team and your calendar will be the first 11 and the manager. Whoever is usually the, the the player that nobody's bothered about, they usually stick them in for November. It seems to be oh. just this kind. I don't know if it's something that I've just made up in my head because I'm actively looking for November and every time I'm disappointed. Or if it is just a formula where they're like, you got to start strong, you got to end strong. October's got Halloween, so that needs to be strong. Yeah, November, who cares, kind of thing. So Yeah, November, probably a forgotten about month, probably a bit like May. Yeah. Forgot so. about sort of bun, bun, bungling months in the middle <laughs> where they just get dismissed. But we'll do some research into this. We this don't. is science. <laughs> uh, we come to the main portion of tonight's show, which is a Zoom call between Bret Hart and Diesel to plug Survivor Series on Sunday. So it's Vince McMahon's disembodied voice asking questions to Diesel and Bret Hart. Diesel is in a WWF studio looking sad in a bomber jacket. Bret Hart is in a dentist's waiting room with a picture of himself in the background, <laughs> and he's looking quite smug about it. Uh, Diesel thinks he is the best there is. Bret Hart laments on losing the WWF Championship at Survivor Series 94, thanks to his mother, and the Royal Rumble match uh, where he had uh, a match with Diesel that went to a non-finish. Bret is upset and calls shenanigans on the fact that he didn't get a rematch. Diesel says, you didn't ask for one. Bret says, when the big guys run out of steam, he's at his best, and thinks it's interesting that less technical opponents are getting title shots while Diesel is champ. Diesel refutes those allegations saying that his first opponent for the WF title was Bret Hart. He'd then go on to face Owen Hart and Shawn Michaels. And of course, technical mastermind Sid. Uh, Diesel says he plans to knock Bret out quickly because he doesn't get paid by the hour. Bret says it'll be the hardest fought match he'll ever have. Diesel says that he is bigger, he is stronger and smarter than he was in January. Uh, I'm in two minds about this. I'm, I'm Dave from The Observer. Like acts like this is you know the Godfather Part Two. Um, <laughs> I, I I thought this was this went on a bit. I thought Diesel looks like he's already lost the title. Yeah, Diesel it's, looked fed up. It's it's one of those. It definitely went on too long, and obviously Brett was a bit deer in headlights at times, especially when he was just saying, "Diesel, you're never taking on technical wrestlers. Technical, technical. I'm technical. You're not technical." Someone else is technical and you've not taken on that technical guy. But I like the fact that it wasn't a wrestling promo. It was just Diesel saying, look, Brett, this is how it is. And Brett saying, well, I disagree. And they were both putting over their strengths. Diesel saying, look, I'm huge. I can just take you out with a powerbomb. Brett saying this, this. It felt like a more sports-like presentation. And in general, I'm a big fan of sit-down interviews. But like you said, it did go on a bit too long. Quite long-winded, uh, but again, it's a, it's a different way of getting to this Sunday, which is a, a big showdown between Bret Hart and Diesel for the WWF title. Um, some observer notes about um, house shows. Did you get this in your notes? I've, I've got a couple I, of bits, if you haven't. I, I've got a different bit about the taped interview. 
If you want to go first, Ooh, obviously okay, well, the same thing. I'll, I'll give you my bit. Yeah. And then uh, I'll, you can go to your bit. Uh, the, the plan for the late December house shows right now are to headline with Bret Hart versus Shawn Michaels. Mm. So this kind of telegraphs what's going to happen at Survivor Series if the plan is to run with Bret versus Shawn on top. That was the bit I had. Yeah. <laughs> so what's your bit? Well, the bit I had is... Um... Also from Unky Dave, they had taped an interview which turned into a pull apart involving Hart and Diesel, which also included Owen Hart, Yoko and Davy Boy, which was originally scheduled for the show. But according to Dave, he guesses they decided not to air it because it wasn't focused enough. Oh, so yeah. So it's a bit on the cutting room floor then. Yeah, of them apparently just having handbags. But I I, I just like the fact that they both go, I'm going to beat you. Ah, no, you're not. I'll, I'll beat you. Oh, no, see you Sunday. I kind of like that. I like how you must have confused a few people listening in America by saying they had handbags. Oh, yeah. It's, it's weird. No, co- just... no context. John. Hiya, John. Happy New Year, John. Um, Brett and Diesel handbags. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's one of those weird bits of just, it's not even regional slang. It's just all of Britain says it. If someone's having a bit of an argument, but it hasn't become a full-on fight, they just, they have handbags. I don't know if this is referring to like grannies in their 70s just hitting people with their bags just to say it'll I think it might have been. We, yeah. we I think in the in the West Midlands, we used to use the phrase handbags at dawn just yeah, to give it yeah. a little a little cowboy-esque quality to it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that was, yeah, used in Merseyside, definitely. <laughs> I have a lot of people be like, I'll just kick your fucking head in. And <laughs> <laughs> bags it until. Uh, so, uh, Sean versus, uh, sorry, Diesel versus Brett uh, for Survivor Series. Uh, Jackins and I will be back with a watch along presentation for that on the classic Raw review next week. It'll be the first time we've done a watch along uh, via co locations. It should all be fine. We've done them before. <laughs> we did, Matthew and I did many during the lockdown era, and it all seemed all right. Uh, a few interruptions from uh, pets and people needing a piss, but apart from that, it all went absolutely hunky-dory. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be a lovely time. Uh, Vince McMahon and Jerry Lawler. You think you're special? Uh, showdown <laughs> playing Milton Bradley Karate Fighters. This is the ongoing uh, sponsorship uh, from Milton Bradley, the ongoing endorsement deal, which for the weeks leading up to Survivor Series, they've had popular WWF tag teams facing off in a game of Milton Bradley Karate Fighters. The Smoking Guns have done it. Uh, Barry Harwitz and Harkushi. Shit, we've run out of tag teams. Jerry Lawler and Vince Quick. <laughs> um, so they had a little fight with karate fighters. Uh, it was uh, Jerry Lawler playing as Skull Crusher, and it was Vince McMahon playing as Thunderfoot. Mm. Just so you know. Uh, Jerry Lawler <laughs> beats Vince McMahon, but it's revealed that Jerry Lawler cheated by putting duct tape on Skull Crusher's foot in order to keep his foot in place on the on the stand and stop him from falling off. So Jerry Lawler cheated. Lawler, when confronted about the tape on Skull Crusher's foot, said that Skull Crusher had an ingrown toenail. To which Vince McMahon says that the Royals will all have ingrown crowns when The Undertaker returns at Survivor Series. Oh, he was, you know what? It was, um, I think we call that a shot on target. Yeah. <laughs> not, not a goal, certainly a shot on target. target. I, I did like the fact, though, that Vince was using kind of like the calm Mr. McMahon voice. He wasn't like, oh, oh, oh. He was like, you know, The Undertaker is coming back. That was a terrible Vince McMahon, but he was, he was in that kind of like 
underlying menacing voice. I know that he did it in the is it the USWA or was it in Memphis at some point in the nineties? Yes, where he played a heel for Memphis. Yeah, so that voice was that Vince McMahon. Yeah, I liked how in nineteen ninety five we had Vince McMahon in a darkened room with quiet hushed tones talking about how the Undertaker is returning. He would do the same eight years later. With himself as the man Undertaker was coming for. <laughs> Think about that. That was a fun match, Survivor Series 03, Undertaker versus Vince. Undertaker <laughs> punched him in the face once. Vince bled for days. <laughs> say what you want about Vince McMahon, and there's plenty we can say. But if I love Vince McMahon matches because he's just like, Do you know what? I'm going to get my head kicked in. He Have throws himself into him. <laughs> he does. He really does. Yeah. He's very much a boss that leads by example. Yeah. With all that he does. And that is an example of him leading by example. Mm-hmm. Uh, King Mabel in action next, being carried to the ring on his big old throne by some enhancement talent that drew short straws. And he is facing off against Roy Raymond, uh, Undertaker promo uh, in amongst this all promises that people will rest in peace and all that jazz. Uh, this is Mabel battering Raymond, finishing off Roy with a belly to belly splash and giving it a big <laughs> as he does it, which is nice. It is fair play to Mabel, though. I, I've actually got here. It was a really nice belly to belly. And before that, he did a dive in clothesline, which was very nice as well. It, he's it was, he's done those a few times. Yeah. Which I which I really like. Yeah, he, he looked motivated and he looked like an absolute monster. He didn't look, you know, quite as useless as he sometimes does. He did like that. He did, he was he, when he was when he was up for it, he was very, very good. When he was when he wanted to be there, you know. Yeah. He did. Uh did you spot Jerry Lawler's comment? As the as the replay was airing, was was it the one about uh, Harrods? It was indeed. So I've got the story here that Jerry Law is referring to. So um, London's exclusive department store, Harrods. It's a bit like Macy's. I don't know. Um, but if you're in America, I don't know. One of them. Um, Harrods confirmed Saturday that it will charge. One pound for use of the new luxury lavatories. Uh, they're currently being refurbished at a cost of one million pounds. This is back in like the mid 90s. Uh, the toilets located in the first floor fashion department will have marble floors and walls, high quality woodwork, subdued lighting, phones, blow dryers, and uniformed attendants. The refurbishment lavatories will be the last word in luxury, a Harrods, Harrods spokesman told The Sun newspaper. Don't buy The Sun. I'm sure customers won't object to the fee, which is very reasonable for the first class facilities. Customers will be able to enter the lavatories by running a one pound swipe card through an electronic card reader. The cards can be bought from dispensers. So think on this, right? Now, I get it. They sound like fucking amazing toilets. And I've and I've paid a quid to use the loo for much less. <laughs> right? I'm yeah. not against that, but this is so 90s. It it brings so much warmth to my soul. Right. How much is it? You have to, it's a pound, but it's not just a case of put a pound in the machine and on you go. You have to, if you need a piss and you're walking past Harrods, you have to go into Harrods. You have to find the, uh, the customer service kiosk. You have to give them a pound. So they give you a card that you then take to the lose to swipe. So you can go in. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's yeah. hilarious. I'm in. 
have, <laughs> have you ever been to Harrods, Tom? I have been to Harrods, yes. Because I'm well posh, mate. Fucking weird. It's the tackiest place. It's like, oh, come come to Harrods. You could buy a, a plate for 300 pounds. But it's like, imagine what a pornographer in 1985 would find classy. It's a, it's a lot of... <laughs> It, it's a lot of gold and ivory, basically, but it's yeah, it's 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 seen as like the it was the, the height of class and sophistication was mm. Harrods. It was world renowned. That's why Jerry Lawler's talking about it. Yeah, uh, but but horrified by asking for a, a, a pound to use what sound like really nice toilets. Yeah, the toilet has a phone in it. <laughs> what, in case you get stuck, I would be ringing people. <laughs> I'd be like, all right, all right, Kev, Kev, I'm in the shitter at Harrods. Well, posh. There's a fella cleaning me bum. It's great. Seventy <laughs> a quid. There's a, there's a head wiper in here. I I I do because nowadays, like back then, people were like, oh my god, fucking outrageous. But I um I like you've been to train stations where you have to put thirty p in to go for a pee. Yeah. Or you do the thing where you see a train that's on the platform and you you ever do that? Do you ever do the game? Do you ever do the uh, the the game of toilet chicken? No train toilet chicken so you see a train coming on the platform and you go right it's now 10 30 that train isn't set to leave till 10 35 i can jump on and have a piss and get off again <laughs> it's a risky game it's a risky game. i played it three times in my younger days did you ever lose i came very close once <laughs> because as as i was leaving the the the, the cubicle i heard the door the, the beeping and I heard the whistle blow. Yeah. So <laughs> leapt off. And the, and the conductor looked at me and goes, you got to get on. I said, and I had to go, wrong train. <laughs> <laughs> got away with it. It's a very risky game. You know, only do it if you, if you could afford to potentially kill time, like <laughs> getting back from whichever station you end up at. Yeah. If it all goes wrong. But it is cheaper than 30p to use the toilet. Of course, yeah. I mean, you might end up in Sheffield and have to pay twenty-five quid to get home, but this is the this is the risk. <laughs> this is part of the fun. <laughs> it's part of the deep joy of using the trains at this particular using toilets at train stations. It's part. <laughs> it's part of the excitement. Uh, so uh, let's move on. Bill Clinton Survivor Series commercial presented by Milton Bradley Karate Fighters is up next. They they love this Bill Clinton bollocks, don't they? Yeah, yeah. I don't get it. No, I don't get it. No, like. I don't know who it's for. I know the the. I feel like Vince this, thinks but... it's brilliant. Yeah, like they, they've done it in the past, like when they had you know the the famous Rosie O'Donnell bit, and they've done it with Barack Obama lookalikes. And did they do a Trump lookalike, or did they just well, load up the actual funny, mate Trump? Funny, funny story on that. Like that has been brought up in conversation, like this past week because we had um we had releases in the wwe what a great way to start the year let's just release some talent uh one of the talent released was uh, a wrestler known on the indies as a steel real name chris guy he was working as a performance center coach since 2019 before that he played donald trump in the donald versus rosie match they had on raw in 2007 yeah. and he was released from the company just the other day and i mean uh- do you know who he famously trained? CM Punk. CM Punk. So mm-hmm. he yeah. was saying, what, what a what a what a biography that is. <laughs> yeah. What a curriculum vitae. Yeah. That is. I trained CM Punk. I also played Donald Trump in a wrestling match. <laughs> <laughs> 
I want him on Desert Island Crafts. Right, Ace Steel. Chris Guy, Ace Steel. <laughs> Get on Cultaholic Island. I know a few people have DM'd me saying, have you messaged William Regal yet? And uh, and I was like, well, he's just lost his gig. I'm just going to let him breathe. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but obviously, Willie, you're very welcome. Oh, that um, would be lovely. Wouldn't that, that be happened. a lovely yeah. day? Wouldn't that be a lovely day? There's some really lovely, some really lovely days coming up. Scotty Too Hotty one's live now, by the way. He was a good fun, Scott Garland. Um, but yeah, I want to speak to Ace Steel. Yeah. That's, there's a story there. There's a com- <laughs> I want him on the show. I'll, 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 my people will call his people. I'll let, I'll let all the dust settle, but then my people will call his people. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like the Bill Clinton thing, like it's, uh, I, I, the only thing I can compare it to is if there was like, if, if progress started touted that Boris Johnson was going to be a, a progress chapter, <laughs> but it's a lookalike, like, it's the only thing I can compare it to. And I don't, I don't know if that's enough, unless, unless he's taking a choke slam through a flaming table. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Because that's it. Because that's the other reason you would have a a, a famous like presidential lookalike is if they're going to get manhandled, much to the joy of the crowd. Yeah, and the thing is as well, they've used this Bill Clinton lookalike before. Was it at the WrestleMania two? WrestleMania ten, it was. Yeah, because uh, he had IRS and DiBiase talking to him, didn't he? Mm-hmm. But it's the fact that. At WrestleMania 10, he was just kind of in the audience. <laughs> you know, part of part of WWF are thinking, we we could we could probably hoodwink a, th- a few people into thinking Bill Clinton's here. And then again for this, this isn't him, this is him <laughs> doing a promo for Survivor Series as if people are gonna flick through the channels, be like, Oh, th- there's the president there. Oh, he wants us to watch Survivor Series, better order it. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, as you say, as you rightly say, who's this for? Yeah, who is this? Who who are we who are we getting in to to survive a series? Who are we getting into the seats? Who are we getting to buy the the, the show for? If, if if we're going, Bill Clinton's coming. Very weird. Mm, uh, main event o'clock. It is Psycho Sid and Razor Ramon. Now a non-title match, uh, Intercontinental Championship not on the line. One two three kid is the special guest referee. Lawler is speculating that the dissension between Ramon and Kid was a ruse uh, to get the IC title off the table in this match. Mm. Uh, Kid still proceeds to hold the title up. Uh, Vince has to reassure us that it's not for the IC title. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Vince. Appreciate you filling the blank there. (laughs) Sid's in control for a lot of this. Big boot, stiff old chokeslam. Ramona attempts to come back with a razor's edge, but gets dumped outside. This leads to Ted DiBiase and an invading Dean Douglas putting the boots to Ramon while Sid is distracting Kid. Uh, by the way, this is uh, Douglas now back off the injured, uh, off the in- off the bench. Now he yeah. he returned for his throat injury on the tenth of this month at Nassau Coliseum. He's now back in the mix and be part of Survivor Series. Um, they're teaming up on Sunday. Are Douglas and Ramon? How can they coexist? Oh. Uh, no, they've never done this in WWF before. Uh, kid getting distracted by Sid continues as Razor gets a shoe in. Uh, Razor gets to show off his daft strength. You forget how strong Ramon is. Yeah. You are reminded when he does an electric chair drop on Psycho Sid. Jesus, that's oh. great. He gets him up for the razor's edge as well. All the way up for the razor's edge. But Kid pulls down Sid. This leads to a power bomb from Sid and a fast count from Kid, giving Sid the win over Ramon. Mm. DiBiase enters the ring, shoves money into Ramon's throat, which the Kid that goes over, takes <laughs> out of his mouth and puts in his pocket. <laughs> 
The kid has sold out, Jackkins. He has. What yeah. the fuck? He's oh, the little tiger. Eh? You little what? shit. Oh, you you little bastard, you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do like the fact, though, that Ted DiBiase only put like $5 in Fraser Ramon's mouth. <laughs> kid was just like, oh, I'm having that. Okay. <laughs> kid is just a scab. Just a scab. Uh, there's been a lot of... Um, Sort of dissension and, and, and backstage hullabaloo oh, between between Sid and the Click, hasn't there? This well, week? yeah, I've, I mean, back to Unky Dave, right? So this is written verbatim. So, like Tom said, this could be a bit jazz. This could be a bit Charlie Mingus <laughs> for your ears. So the st- the stars of the Intercontinental Title apparently changed regularly over the past week. Razor Ramon faced Sid in what was announced live as a non-title match with One Two Three Kid as ref. The match was billed as a title match on all television leading up to the match. And the plan was for Sid to come out of the match with the title, but it was changed after the Superstars, Action Zone, and Mania shows were taped in midweek. The word among the wrestlers is that Sid, who left uh, a recent tour because of a family emergency, was pretty upset after being promised the title and having it pulled from him, and that Hunter Hearst Helmsley will eventually be getting the title from Ramon. This has caused major morale problems because people see it was the click controlling the championships and people believing that different rules apply to them than to the other wrestlers. So, yeah, yeah. This is the click just being shitty again and just upsetting the roster. Yeah, because it was it was a decent heel turn, but if the title doesn't change hands, then what's the point kind of thing? Yeah. Wouldn't it hurt for Sid to leave as IC champion here? No, definitely not. I mean, Would not what, have hurt. What was the last title? Has Sid even held a title in WWF at this point? I don't think he has, has he? No. No? No. So, he will hold one title in the WWF, I think, and it'll, yeah. be, the, it'll be the WWF title. Yeah. So but that's not for a little while yet. Yeah, but I th- yeah, it was yeah, it, it definitely it definitely smelt of click shit. That's what it smelled <laughs> like to me. So uh... <laughs> a faint aroma of click shit. Mm-hmm. Um, so after all this, as the dust settles on the heel turn uh, of one, two, three, kid, we get a little advert for the WWF tour de force. I only wanted to write this down because uh, there's two particular places they're going to that made me smile. Uh, one was one night at Madison Square Garden. Yeah. And the other was the following night in Scranton. <laughs> in the Catholic Youth Center. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Like, I like how there's fans of the WWE that have discovered it relatively recently, found what we do recently. And, like, you know, you see these events like Money in the Bank and SummerSlam at the Allegiant Center, you know, in the, these big stadiums, big stadium events. And here we are talking about the Catholic Center in Scranton. <laughs> it's uh, oh, it's enough to is. make one sneeze. Hang on. Oh, oh, it's all right. Oh, oh, hey, look, if you wa- if you watch the Patreon, you've you've got a free sneeze there. Ooh. You're very welcome. <laughs> Unless it got edited out, in which case you didn't. Um, <laughs> by the way, before you say anything, I took a lateral flow, and I've took a PCR. It's mm. just a sneeze. 
calm down. It's like, uh, well, people on the video will see me with my little menthol inhaler again, all clear. It's just because of my very small triangular nose. I have uh, breathing problems when it gets a bit cold. Oh, uh, so, is it still cold in that room, by the way? I thought I thought the heating might have cracked up a little bit. Is it? Uh, not? It's not too bad, actually. It's not too bad. You're very good. You, you're very pleasure. I tell you what, for the next one, oh no, we'll be home for the next one, so it'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say you can come in here. It's a little bit warm in here. Well, because I'm a miser, I'll just have the heating off. <laughs> <laughs> You, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna see it next week. You're gonna watch next week on the Patreon, and it's gonna be like icicles hanging from the house of Jackkins with him wrapped in like three cat-based blankets. <laughs> Save money on eating. <laughs> look after Penny. Pounds will look after themselves. <laughs> Louis walking around sneezing icicles. <laughs> oh, Quiet, not. Louis. You're fine. <laughs> 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 trying to try to try to lick water out of his bowl it's just like a block of ice eh. <laughs> tongue sticks to it what a jumper on louis if you're cold <laughs> have you tried to dress louis up by the way uh i think sean's tried putting a hat on him and he was just like oh <laughs> <laughs> that was about it uh, pablo like will aggressively uh reject any item of clothing that we try and put on him like he is not having it we bought him some we bought him some bat wings for halloween once and they literally just just you just clip them around the like the top of his of his his back put them on and he was just immediately like, no get them off like anything that's on him he's like no get off so you're cakey fit. we can't put a collar on him we put a collar on him and he's like writhing around on the floor like he's having a seizure like no <laughs> no bastards he hates life when we try and do anything other than just let him just let me be naked and free bricks sounds like poppy to be fair sometimes <laughs> i have to pick up poppy and put her to another room and it's like in here's one for the kids in Gremlins 2, when Phoebe Cates takes the wrong Mogwai home and thinks it's Gizmo, but it's not. <gasps> and she picks it up and there's just this little puppy. Just goes, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> that's, that's Poppy if you try and pick her up. Whereas Louis a ragdoll and the thing about ragdolls is you pick them up and they just go limp, basically. <laughs> so if we all put stuff on him and he's like, I don't like it, but I can't kick off. <laughs> so... <laughs> Yeah. When we when we try and pick up Pablo, no, uh, he's he's got used to me doing because I tend to pick him up and have him so like his paws are on my shoulder so we can see over my shoulder. Yeah. But Alex will pick him up so like she's like cradling him like a like a baby so like his head will be like facing out to the world and I'll watch and and he won't kick off he won't get aggressive but he will move his body as far away as possible like Alex will be holding him and his face will be like a good like four or five feet away from. Like, <laughs> No, put me down. <laughs> no, he just doesn't like being like, and he, he'll want fuss, but you have to, it has to be on his terms in his location mm. where he is. He refuses, like, he doesn't like you picking him up and fussing. He's like, I want you to fuss me all the time, but I don't want you to fuss me all the time. I just yeah. want you to want to all the time. That's, that's a bit like Louis as well. He's very strange. Like Poppy's very affectionate. Although when I pick her up, I have to pick her up like, Imagine you're holding someone else's baby and it does a shit. So just like, <laughs> just arms length like that. <laughs> but if, if if you're sitting down anywhere, she'll come and sit next to you or she'll sit on your lap and she'll run to you. She's like, oh yeah, we can hang out and she'll just sit there. Whereas Louis will kind of walk in the room like a, like a, like a Victorian villain, just like... <laughs> 
appears to be going on here? <laughs> and he's just like, well, hang it out, Louis. And he'll just look at you and just kind of walk mm. away. And he'll stand in the hallway just going, oh, why is everyone forsaken me? <laughs> Unlikely like, story. Like, come back, you big villain. <laughs> <laughs> I'll wait here for, until you love me again. Can't wait to meet him next week. Oh, um, we get a replay of the double cross from moments ago, uh, we see Ramon sadly leaving the ring alongside Gerald Briscoe. Make it a tag team, you cowards. Uh, we cut backstage to JR, who is with Dean Douglas, Yokozuna, Jim Cornette, and Owen Hart. Before they can really get into their gloating, a dazed and confused Razor Ramon charges in, swinging punches at Douglas. Like, because he's pagan, he's just like, swinging and Douglas <laughs> is quite easily dodging them and Raw goes off the air with Ramon swinging like a drunkman falling out of a pub and, and a bunch of strangers waiting for a bus is what it looks like yeah because I noticed Yogozuna just standing there just kind of like oh oh am I in shot oh, oh should I shit. flinch because if he hits me he's going down <laughs> stand here you bastard uh, thoughts on the main event uh it was a strange one because I thought Sid looked fantastic in this match. Sid looked really good, but obviously they had tons of interference to make Razor look strong. But in a way, it kind of made Sid look weak at the same time, if you know what I mean, because Sid was hitting it with everything. Mm. He's hitting, he was hitting kip-ups and just battering him. Um, that electric chair drop did make me go, ooh, because what I noticed what Razor did, gets him up for the electric chair drop, and instead of falling backwards and holding his feet, he kind of half went for, like, the doomsday device where he pushes um, Sid's feet as if he's going to do a backflip, oh. forgetting that Sid's, like, six foot eight. So Sid just lands on his neck, and I was like, ooh. Um, but, yeah, decent, decent match. Like I said, it should have had a title change, and I think the episode should have ended with this newly heel one, two, three kid walking off. Like the, the extra bit afterwards, they could have had that as like on superstars. Like, oh, here's what you missed from after Raw the other day or whatever yeah. is. But um, yeah, good, good main event. Good main event. Yeah, it took the focus away from the kid's heel turn and yeah. joining up with Sid, who apparently according to Meltzer, him and Sid are about to become a tag team. Hmm. The kid and the Sid. Hmm. Mm, interesting. We'll keep an eye on that one. So that was Raw. That was the go-home show for Survivor Series. Always weird when it's a go-home show that doesn't end with, with anything pertinent to the pay-per-view. Yeah. I don't feel like it was. I guess I guess both competitors are in the same match, but the focus wasn't on the Survivor Series match. I feel like the, the bit they had the other week with Ahmed slamming Yoko would have been a better go-home bit for Survivor Series. Definitely, yes. As, although saying that, the, I think the episode as a whole was a good go-home, but just like you said, the ending was just a bit, oh, well, oh, okay. Mm, interesting one. But Survivor Series is next on the docket, and Jackins and I will give you a live, not live, pre-recorded watch-along <laughs> I mean, you know, you could. We'll, we'll give you an estimated time. You can watch it with us, but you won't hear us until the episode comes out. Yeah. Uh, we'll be doing a watch along of Survivor Series 1995, which you'll be able to download wherever you got this one from as well. What are you working on this week, Jack Kids? Uh, well, we've had a bit of change around on the .com side of things um, because if any anyone listening follows us on Twitter, we'll see that. Our tribal editor-in-chief, 
Mitch Wadden has bid as adieu. Um, I thought he was joking. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> like Bob Holly. He's like, oh, no one's given notice. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Mitch is gone. So, uh, you know, anyone that downloads the podcast will have heard uh, Mitch Wadden hosting the motion. Uh, they would have heard Mitch and I doing the wrestling, the coldholic.com top 10 every month. Yeah. Uh, and now he's, uh, he's away. He's off to pastures new. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're gutted that he never got to come up here and enjoyed in some of the bands. Oh. Uh, but we, we wish our boy Mitch Wadden all the, all the luck in the world going forward whatever you do i'm sure you'll be all right at it i guess yeah so <laughs> with mitch gone there's a restructuring and the way my week is is that i spend half my time doing news bits while aiden and mitch do the, the lion's share of it and the other half is spent doing script work so now it's aiden's taken on a bit more of the news stuff so it's all, all systems go well, he's off next week. So, <laughs> so in th- perfect timing for this great change. Yeah. So, uh, he's left for the week. <laughs> so I think I'm just going to be on news for the next week or so. So I think people might have been getting worried as you were talking about the changes. Like Jackins is still is still, still doing this. Oh, yeah. Like, this oh, this doesn't change. This oh, doesn't change. <laughs> this is the highlight of my week. Coming <laughs> on and talking about Dr. Robotnik and my stupid cats. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Time has been factored into Jackkin's new busier schedule to spend at least an hour and a half humoring me. Yeah. Um, I think we, some people call it a podcast. Pachiti calls it child minding. Yeah. Uh, just, just can you just keep an eye on Tom for ninety minutes? <laughs> just because we get worried when he's on his own that he might get into the into the wires or climb up a tree. He's, he's like, "Here's here's a tether, and there's uh, there's a pizza in the oven for you." Like, "Oh, thank you, Adam. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Dad, I've set fire to the house." <laughs> Uh, but we will, yeah, we'll still be, we'll, we'll still be plugging away at this. This will still yeah. be a thing, and and it's nice to be back after what feels like a really long break. Oh god! I think because we wrapped up the podcast like almost the middle of December, yeah, before restrictions came in, it has been quite a while in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, um, but it is nice to be back. Uh, we're ready for another another brilliant year of classic reviews uh, and and going and and looking to 1996 as well because like we're coming at the end of 1995 now and 96 is a really interesting year for the company because it's in 1996 that arguably three of its three of the biggest stars four of the biggest stars of the attitude era start to 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 to, to be formed yeah. in this particularly in this year that's coming up you know and it's it's quite exciting to be able to go through all of this and we'll do it whilst talking about cats and uh and 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 a lot not many vic and bob jokes this week surprisingly because i thought i thought we'd we'd do a few more but we'll have to do more next week (laughs) i I think we just got sidetracked talking about you know (laughs) dr robotnik (laughs) yeah dr robotnik and people getting their kicks however they get their kicks consenting and everyone's taking the right precautions you do you (laughs) <laughs> that was my PSA but there we go big fan big yeah. fan uh, on the Coldsholic podcast feed this week uh, is the return of the classic reviews the classic Nitro review is back the classic Smackdown review is back and we've got Kid Bandit on Desert Island Graps on Wednesday uh, really love the work of Kid Bandit you may have seen Naruto running on AEW Dark recently uh, an amazing story to tell uh, from Kid Bandit and Kid Bandit will tell the story themselves 
on Wednesday. And until then, until we are next back together, he is at Bragg Atkins on Twitter. I am at Tom Campbell on Twitter. <laughs> We're at Cultaholic on Twitter. Don't forget to join us. Dr. Robotnik, you kinky, kinky bastard. I love you, bye. Your pants on, Robotnik, you, <laughs> you little shit. <laughs> Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Cultaholic.